Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Don't you just love the rush of joy and excitement and fulfillment that you get when you're doing something great for someone and it yields a positive outcome? It's so contagious, right? It's certainly not the only reason we do impactful things, but it happens to be a wonderful side effect. If you can make someone's life better just by being in it, then, as Ralph Waldo Emerson says, this is to have succeeded. Milwaukee's philanthropic community gives nonprofits a platform to share the great things they're doing and how those things are making a big impact in our community. Our audience hears firsthand the joy, the excitement, and the fulfillment our guests experience as they share their message of hope, inspiration, and positive impact. And after hearing about all those great things our guests are doing, we hope that it'll become contagious and more people will want to join in and together we can make an even bigger impact. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group, and I invite you to sit back and listen to the inspiring and impactful messages from our guests today. My first guest is Julia Murphy, who is working towards creating a L'Arche community in Milwaukee. What is L'Arche? L'Arche is an international organization known as the University for the Heart, where people with intellectual disabilities learn true friendship and they teach one another to love unconditionally. Welcome to the show today, Julia. Thanks for inviting me, Jill. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I understand that your personal why begins with your older brother, Norman. Tell us how the story began and also what led you on your search for something better for him. Yeah. So as you mentioned, my older brother is Norman. And just to give you a little idea of um, who Norman is, Norman has Down syndrome. He is hearing impaired, and his speech is very difficult to understand. Um, to give you an idea of what he can do, um, he would need help crossing the street, for example, but he can write his name. Um, he knows what he wants. When we go to the neighborhood collectivo, he knows he wants the cinnamon roll and makes that very clear. <laughs> <laughs> I have been involved in Norman's life as more of a caregiver for a long time. My mother used to tell the story of when I was about five years old, and she remembers a day when I stopped playing with Norman and started watching out for him. And that's been a, a part of our lives ever since. Um, fast forward to adulthood, I had been teaching, and after my first child was born, decided to stay home. And we had an extra room in our house, and Norman was in a not-so-great living situation, so he came to live with us, and that was about 25 years ago. Um, he lived with us and uh, lived with my husband, myself, and um, two children, so he got to experience they're growing up and kind of hung out with our family and did all the things that we were doing and um, some things that Norman and I like to do together. We do enjoy shop our monthly shopping at Woodman's where Norman is in charge of pushing the cart, which does get pretty heavy for oh, a imagine, monthly. I imagine, especially at Woodman's. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, we, he loves riding uh, on the back of our tandem bike. We ride all around the Milwaukee County on the Oak Leaf Trail and uh, we work up to uh, 
getting up to 20 to 30 miles in a day by the end of the summer. And so we're, we're getting there. Not quite, actually. But um, so that, that's a little bit about who Norman is and, uh, and what our story is. And I understand that you were on a search for something better for him. What do you mean by that? And, and what did you find? So uh, after my kids were grown and gone, um, my husband and I decided that Norman needed, we needed to keep taking care of Norman, but he needed to live in a different place. So we were able to find um, something that the state of Wisconsin calls an adult family home. So it's licensed for three to four folks and, with disabilities. And the workers who work there um, each work an eight-hour shift. So there's three eight-hour shifts in a day. This is a little different than the old group home concept where you would have um, a, they call the group home parent who actually live there, and there'd usually be seven to eight individuals. Um, so Norman lives in an adult family home about five miles from us. And the adult family home he lives at does everything that they are supposed to do. He gets three meals a day. His clothes is laundered. Um, he receives his medication, but I wanted something more. I wanted a place where he would uh, have a feeling of family, and um, he would. There would be more than just eyes dotted, t's crossed. I wanted more, and um, that is what led me to search for more. And uh, I had been uh, talking to someone about looking for a better place for him to live. And she asked if I had ever heard of L'Arche. And I had not, <laughs> and that was, that was the beginning. So L'Arche is an international organization. It's in 38 countries, um, 17 places in the US. Um, L'Arche is a place where adults with and without disabilities share life and friendship in community. And uh, I was able to visit a L'Arche community in Chicago and I, I knew that I had found it. This was what I wanted for Norman. And you wanted something, uh, you had, we had talked before this interview and you had said that you wanted Norman to go where the caregivers who were there were, they were doing things more than for just a paycheck. Right, now a paycheck is important and I don't wanna say that anyone should be doing this for free, but um, yeah, I, I wanted something more where the caregivers were uh, looking for the experience of living in community uh, with folks with disabilities who act, were actively seeking that out. Um, and I think you said, too, just where there's an experience of mutual giving and receiving. Yes. And it's just not putting three squares on the, on the table a day and, and doing their laundry. It's, it's something more than that. Yeah, the way I've had it, heard it described is um, recognizing the gifts that each of us bring to the table. Mm -hmm. So um, just an example, at our first gathering uh, for forming a large community here in Milwaukee, Norman, um, he set the papers out on each chair for each person before the meeting started. And we had a couple papers, and he set them beautifully on each chair very carefully. And, uh, and I was appreciating that he made the room look so beautiful, and everything was organized and ready for our friends to arrive. So stepping back and seeing things that Norman is able to contribute, not just all of his needs. Um, 
is uh, what I understand L'Arche to be. Absolutely. And it's inviting everybody to the party, right? There you go. You know, everybody has a place. Everybody can do something. Um, so you wanted this community for, for Norman. Uh, community is defined as a, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes and interests and goals. And you had mentioned, Julia, that after visiting the L'Arche community in Chicago, you knew that you found what you had been searching for. Uh, now you just needed to make it happen here in Milwaukee, right? Right. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we return, we're going to continue to hear about Julia's journey of making an impact for her brother Norman and others by searching for a community where they would feel loved, cared for, and safe. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Julia Murphy, who is working on bringing a large community to the Milwaukee area for people with intellectual disabilities. So, Julia, you said you wanted a community for Norman and, and others, right? So how does one go about making a large community? So there's um, part of this international organization um, means that we have a large USA organization, and I, um, they have a wonderful website that really um, explains what L'Arche is, shows some great videos and photos. So the first, they support us, and they have asked us as a first step to gather people together who have disabilities and who do not to spend time, to tell stories, to uh, become friends, to know each other. And that is the first step. Um, I would like to just uh, say something about the word community here, and you gave a great explanation of it there a moment ago, Jill. Um, so community, I, I like to add the word intentional to it. I live in Wauwatosa. Wauwatosa is a community, uh, but it's just kind of where geographically where we all live. But this is um, a little different. It's so the idea of creating community, of creating those bonds, those friendships, those appreciations. So that that's the beginning. So we have already had our first meeting. We have our second one coming up here. Uh, in September, and um, we will spend time each month getting to know each other. Folks that find this type of community resonating, I hope will continue to attend, and those who do not will um, eventually find what is important to them, but um, that is our first step, and once we have established a core group of folks for whom L'Arche resonates, uh, we will move on to our next step um, through L'Arche USA. <clears throat> our goal is to become um, a nonprofit here in the Milwaukee area and eventually to um, have a residence of some sort um, uh, where we can live this out. But we will always continue to meet as a community for folks who live in, a, in the L'Arche home and who do not. We, we know that there are community members for whom, who do not necessarily have a person in their lives with a disability, but for whom the idea of being in community with di people who might be different than themselves is important. Mm. 
And I understand that um, there's a large community in Chicago, and you actually received an email from the executive director down there who connected you to an individual. And we actually have this gentleman with us in the studio today. His name is Matt Gates, and Matt is a hospice chaplain. And uh, he was your connection. So we, we actually asked him to join us today. So welcome to the conversation, Matt. Thank you for having me, Jill. You're welcome. So I understand you lived in a large community in the UK and you helped out at the large community in Chicago. Um, why don't you give us some insight into that? You know, how did you first become involved in this world of disability? Yeah, so um, I'm an ice hockey player and. Uh, <laughs> I have traveled all around for that, and um, I ended up finishing my career at Concordia University, Wisconsin, so that's kind of where this begins for me. Uh, at the time, uh, when I was a senior, they had asked me to be a, a, the male RA for Bethesda College, which was at, the, at that time a pilot program for students with disabilities to come and uh, earn a two-year two certificate, a degree, uh, and experience college uh, with everybody else at school. And my job was to kind of facilitate that. And that's where I met my friend Alec. He's from the Milwaukee area. He has Down syndrome. And we became uh, buddies off the, uh, the first day pretty much. And uh, I have a story about that. Um, one day I had kind of run myself down. I, I was playing hockey. I was writing all these papers. I'm trying to finish school. And I got really sick. And Alec came to my room and brought a bin for the garbage. He brought the remote for the TV, and he proceeded to tuck me in from Aww. head to toe and gave me everything I needed to get well that day. And um, that, at that point, I realized I was being helped. I wasn't just the helper. Mm. And that was a huge shift for me um, at, I think I was 24 or 25 at that time, just to um, get outside of my own world and, and see, wow, I, what I didn't think was possible is happening. Um, that's where it started with me and with the world of disabilities. Hmm. And what was it like living in the large community in the UK? Yeah. So what took you there? After that year uh, with Bethesda College, I read a little book called The Heart of L'Arche. And basically the, the founder of L'Arche, uh, Jean Vanier, had had put words to what I had experienced. So from that moment on, L'Arche was in my heart and on my, my mind. I went to seminary at Fuller in, in Pasadena, California. And uh, as a part of their Master of Divinity program, we are, are required to do an apprenticeship. And so I've, I'm the type of uh, person who really likes to go outside the box and uh, do something crazy. And I thought, why not try to do this apprenticeship in a different country? And why not try to go for L'Arche? And so I, I filled out the application and uh, L'Arche Bognar Regis on the south coast of England need, was in need of assistance. And that's where I ended up. Um, I, could, I could fill you in a little bit on what the day-to-day -day was like, if, if, if that helps. Um, yeah, yeah. Give us a better understanding. So I, I would say every day I'd, I'd wake up around 6 or 6.30 and I would meet Chris downstairs in the uh, family room and Chris had a, a bedroom on the first floor and he had some pretty profound disabilities he he could say yes and no but a lot of times we didn't know if if or why he was in pain 
which was very hard on me as a new assistant. But I would come down, check and see what his mood was like that day, and then uh, proceed to help him with his morning routine, which we would do medication in the morning. I was trained to do that in large. Um, I would help him with his shower. Uh, I would present uh, an array of clothing for him to make the choice, not me doing it for him, but okay. for him to to make the choice of what he wants to wear that day. And, um, uh, and then from there, we would go to breakfast, big table. There was five core, we call them core members in L'Arche, those with disabilities. There are core members. And then there's assistants like me that come in and help facilitate different things and, and participate in this community together with our core members. So I would prepare breakfast with another assistant and um, help Chris with what he needed. Uh, and then I would help him with his other morning routine, um, uh, brushing teeth, um, hygiene, stuff like that. And then we would usually do some exercise, get out for a walk, maybe do some gardening. And by that time, it was time for me as an assistant to take a break for a few hours. And then I would come back in the evening and help prepare dinner, uh, clean, cook, uh, help people with their nightly routines, and then go to bed. Or, well, you're yeah. you're really like a, a friend. I mean, you're it's not a job, I would imagine. It's just you know you're you're moved by this person that you're spending time with, and it goes to another level, I would imagine, right? What exactly, Jill? Yeah, what happened to me? What I said about Bethesda College that day, where Alec came in in the room, and my my mind was pretty much blown by what he was doing for me. That also that thing happens in Larsh too where I, all of a sudden I'm running around the house like crazy in this, this big community, and I think I have to do, do, do all day long. And then all of a sudden I'm called to just be, be a friend, sit there with somebody when they're going through a hard time. Um, be happy when, someone, when it's somebody's birthday. Birthdays are a big thing in L'Arche. Mm. We, we celebrate everybody. We celebrate everybody's gifts. Um, so yeah. I can see why you guys would want to bring this large community to Milwaukee. It's uh, I don't know enough of the statistics to know if if uh, if the population is underserved. But you had mentioned Julia that you know you're looking for something more than what you were finding for Norman, right? So yeah. yeah. Um, what did you get out of living in a large community, Matt? That you never expected. You know, you, you talk about some of those friendships and the feelings, but is there anything else that that uh, that you can say that you get you got out of this experience? At the time I went to live in Bognor Regis, England, my own family was splitting apart. My parents were were um, divorced at that time, and this was all new to me. And what I received when I went there was a surprising the surprising shock of being a part of a family all of a sudden which meant so much to me at that time. It was what I needed. Um, it's surprising to me that when I reflect on my 14 months in, in L'Arche Bognor Regis and then the four months that I spent in L'Arche Chicago, that I tear up when I think of just doing the dishes with the noises in the background of my friends. Mm. That surprised me, and that's what shocks me still to this day. I miss it. Mm. Well, I mean, that that tells you right there well, how this is different. Yeah. You know, I don't even have to ask that question. How does this differ from any other organization? We can feel it. 
in the room. We can uh, hear it in your voices. And so thank you for sharing that experience, Matt. That's just, that's wonderful. Um, Julie, what do you, what do you want the audience to take away from the interview? And we talked about um, you wanting to start this large community in Milwaukee and uh, maybe share what uh, people can do to make that happen or, you know, what do you, what do you maybe expect a year from now? What are you looking for? So right now we are actively meeting as a community once a month, the third Sunday of the month at 3.30 in Wauwatosa at St. Matthew's Lutheran Church. We invite folks with and without disabilities to join us as we begin this journey together. We uh, are friends focused on forming a community. That's, that's the simple um, way to put what we do and what we are doing the third Sunday of the month. What we would ask for listeners of this program for whom this idea resonates to spend time with us or tell others about what we're doing. So we're not asking you to click like, or believe it or not, not even asking you to send a check. We're just asking for what is really your most valuable resource, and that is time. Um, so uh, if you would like more information, you can check out what L'Arche is on the L'Arche USA website, and you could also contact them to get to us. And so. is it is it just L'Arche.com, or how do, what's the best way to? It's so L'Arche. Um, is L apostrophe A R C H E. So it looks like La Arch, but it's pronounced Larch. And the website is L A R C H E U S A dot, dot com. Dot com. Okay, yeah. wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you both for being here today. There's also a Larch International, too. So if you want to explore globally what Larch is doing, you can you can use that website, too. It wonderful. It or is. if you want to go to the U.K. and spend some time in, <laughs> sure. in a Larch community outside of the USA, that's that's a place I imagine people might be interested in. You know, uh, they want to check that out. There's Larch communities in the Ukraine, so you can imagine what's mm. going happening there. Yeah. But, yeah. Wow. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you for joining us uh, in the first half of, of our radio show today. So, Julia, you mentioned earlier that one of the things uh, you and Norman enjoy doing together is riding your tandem bike and how you spent the summer gradually going on longer rides in preparation for an event that you really wanted to participate in. Well, stay tuned because when we return, we're going to learn all about an organization that provides hope and transformation in a variety of ways. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest in the second half of the show today is Pastor Chris Menke, who is the Executive Director with Outreach for Hope. Welcome to the show, Pastor Chris. Thanks so much. It's good to be here. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, I understand, according to Julia, that there was a bike event that she and Norman really wanted to participate in, and so they trained for it, and uh, it was just something that uh, Norman really looked forward to. Tell us how you all connected around your organization. Yeah, so um, Julia and Norma were members at the church. I was a pastor at for 24 years, so we got to know each other really well through that whole time. And she was kind of one of our leaders for the Outreach for a Bike Ride that happens every year. And so she and Norman would do that, and I would come out as well. But we really got to know each other just at church and, and uh 
wonderful people. So it was, it was great that way. Um, so yeah, just have known each other for a long time through that through that partnership. Okay, and you said that 24, 25 years mm-hmm. you were at St. Matthew's. It sounds like a wonderful ministry. Yeah. Um, why did you switch positions? So, you know, at St. Matthew's during that whole time, a lot of what I encouraged people to be about was really about um, serving and caring for your neighbor. And uh, we had four partnerships at that time uh, I was very involved with. Two of them were international, one Tanzania, one El Salvador. Got to meet people all over the world. And then two in Milwaukee. Um, And during that time, I just really got to know um, the members of those communities well and developed the relationships, really enjoyed um, building those relationships and and meeting people in different cultures. Um, Great experience that way. Uh, Really became kind of um, uh, life-changing for me, really getting to know them. And throughout my ministry, I, I always really encourage people to serve and care for your neighbor. That, that Good Samaritan story is kind of uh, probably the, the most important story for me, kind of that calling of how do we care for our neighbor. You know, Jesus tells that parable about, uh, you know, the, the priest who passes by, the person on the side of the road, and the Levite who passes by, and the Samaritan who stops and cares for and, and helps to heal and walk with that person. And, and that really became um, really directive for me. You know, how do, we, how do we serve? How do we love our neighbor? And uh, so, you know, wonderful ministry. Just really enjoyed my time at St. Matthew's, at wonderful people in Wauwatosa. Uh, but really felt that sense of wanting to branch out and continue to do that work with um, with uh, our inner city ministries and um, Outreach for Hope. I've known through that whole time, being a part of the bike ride, going on this event and, and working with uh, the ministries there. But uh, when that position opened up, I really, um, really prayed about it and uh, really felt called to go towards that ministry and, and work with them. And so, um, and so here you are. Here I am, probably yeah. the worst time possible uh, March 2020. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. You know, uh, and accepted the position right before all that happened. Mm. And then it was one of those, okay, how is this going to work? Yeah, right, but, um, right. But it worked out. It, it worked, worked out, out well. well. Yeah. Tell us more about Outreach for Hope. You know, what, what do you do? Yeah. And what was the need that mm-hmm. someone saw that began your ministry as a 501c3? Yeah, so as a, as a ministry, uh, really 26 years ago, uh, the Greater Milwaukee Synod, a Lutheran uh, denomination in our southeastern uh, area, uh, really said, you know, the, our, our central city ministries really are struggling. Um, and, you know, you can imagine if you're a ministry in some of the most difficult, poverty-stricken areas, um, how are you going to raise the funds to stay open? You know, that, that becomes the big crux and so the, the greater uh, church said, we need to do something about this. We want to make sure and ensure that these ministries stay alive. Uh, they even had a phrase, in the city for good, in the city for good. And so they formed this organization to essentially raise money to help support financially uh, our central city ministries. And I would say we're one of the only ones in, the, in our Lutheran denomination throughout the country that does this. And you look at the other denominations, the other, uh, the other synods throughout our, our country, and really many of those areas, the, the churches have really dried up. Uh, but in Milwaukee and Kenosha and our southeastern area, we really have close to 25 that are still very strong and viable, and I would say that's because of Outreach for Hope. 
So we do that work of, of raising funds and uh, helping to support financially, but even more than that, how do we walk with? How do we partner? How do we care for and serve? And so that's been a big thing that we do. You know, that Matthew 25 gospel text where Jesus says, you know, uh, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. Uh, I needed clothes and you, you, uh, you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you visited me. You know, that's what these ministries do every single day. And so we help to support them financially. And I, I get to be the one that goes in all over southeastern Wisconsin and talk about their uh, vital, uh, incredible ministries that they do and encourage people to be generous and, and help out. And so um, I really find it to be a, a privilege that I get to do this work and uh, really voice what they do. So mm, something wonderful. special. Wonderful. Sounds like a great uh, great position. Yeah. Well, we call this show Milwaukee's philanthropic community, mm-hmm, obviously, mm-hmm. where uh, one of our core values is philanthropy. Yeah. What do you see is the difference between general philanthropy and church ministry giving? Yeah, and that was, that was something I really realized as a pastor. You know, I, I did a lot of work uh, working with a lot of organizations, um, you know, great organizations. I, I won't name them all here, but um, I started realizing that um, a lot of them, because they weren't churches, because they weren't ministries, uh, were able to receive corporate funds and were really well supported because of that. But a lot of these ministries, the churches that we work with, really couldn't receive because they were a religious organization. And that was a, a major problem I saw. And on top of it, and especially with this uh, economic situation we have going on with, with inflation going on, uh, the struggle that churches have to stay open, uh, many of our churches uh, right now, especially after COVID and uh, all that's going on, have really struggled. And you can imagine the difficulty for churches that, whose membership really can't financially support um, so, you know, that's been a real struggle between, uh, for, for churches and um, how do you stay afloat? How do you financially keep the doors open? You know, um, many have uh, really struggled with that. So again, it's, it's really a privilege for me to speak on their behalf and encourage people to be generous and think about uh, that radical generosity. How do we, how do we really uh, care for people? Uh, through what I do with my time, my talent, and my, my treasures. How do I share those with others so that so they can know what it means to be fed and clothed and all those things that Matthew that Jesus talks about in Matthew 25. So that's, yeah. yeah, and to, to love your neighbor and, yeah. and to think about your neighbor as just not that person across the street, right? right? You know, right. our neighbor could be somebody across town. Exactly. Could be somebody outside of our borders. Exactly. You know, how do we, like you said, how do we use our time, talents, and resources to... Mm-hmm impact other people. So, of course, we're, we're thankful for the work that Outreach for Hope does, but we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we're going to learn more about ways Outreach for Hope partners with other ministries to provide solutions to the challenges that we face here in southeastern Wisconsin. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG. Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. 
And I'm talking in this last segment with Pastor Chris Mankey, Executive Director of Outreach for Hope. Mm-hmm. So, Pastor Chris, you said that you partner with ministries to help you in your outreach efforts. So why don't you tell us where and how these ministries serve? Yeah, so um, each year uh, we do, the the groups are a little different. So we have about between 15 and 25 churches that uh, each year, it's depending on what their needs are, will come to us and, and become grant partners with us. Um, so they're all over Milwaukee, Kenosha, all over southeastern Wisconsin, really doing that incredible work of, of caring. Um, we say we've got 18 food and, uh, and or meal programs. We currently, uh, 12 of them, because food is so important, do gardening programs, neighborhood gardening programs, two even do beekeeping programs, um, helping people with that. Uh, Ten clothing closets, which get into the staples of life. You know, what do people need? That can be bedding, that can be, you know, all sorts of things with that for winter needs especially as well. Um, many of them uh, have some sort of healing program, uh, uh, maybe a parish nurse or a full, full-out clinic. We've got that as well. Many of them are bilingual, uh, working in Hispanic neighborhoods. And then we have, um, you know, because um, poverty is, is so debilitating, many people get into that uh, struggle with alcohol and drugs. And so almost all of our ministries deal with helping people with sobriety and uh, helping them uh, get out of that uh, even worse situation as people get into with, with drugs and alcohol. Do you help them uh, find and secure jobs? So, yes. Uh, so uh, one of our ministries in particular really does that work of, especially as people coming out of prison, you know, how do you help them get back into mm. society and how do you uh, give them the tools all in, and to be able to find jobs, but not just find jobs, but keep jobs. You know, right. it's, it's, it might be easy to find a job, but keeping it becomes a big thing. And how do you how do you support them in that way as well? So, so yeah. So we our ministries, um, for example, uh, Grace Welcome Center in Kenosha. I, I would say you know, COVID was such a struggle for all of us, right? It was just a horrible time. But what really happened during that time also was it really lit a lot of our ministries up, and because they saw the need, they saw people that were working those very basic jobs that suddenly all the restaurants closing, all those basic jobs just drying up, really didn't have anything to support their own families. Um, some of us were able to, to tap into that and, and have the support and the structure, but many didn't in our ministries. And so, for example, Grace Welcome Center, um, they were doing some very basic things with, with a food pantry at that time, but then they said, boy, we really have to step up. And they are now, because of that, serving 200 families a week, 200 families a week. Their entire church has been uh, transformed because of this. It's just amazing to see. It's a wonderful place to be, um, you know, responding to the need. And um, even the homelessness that goes on in Kenosha, uh, they, they work with ministries that go out every night finding people that are in parks in, in areas and getting them to some someplace that's safe and secure and then with Grace Welcome Center making sure they're fed and, and the things that they need to keep them safe and, and healthy um, they can help do. Um, in Kenosha as well, the ELCA Outreach Center is one of our ministry partners and they do that work as well. I'm really focusing on what are the, the things they need, especially families, diapers and, and formula. That, that's a big thing that they help out with at the Outreach Center, um, but they also have uh, legal services. So 
uh, either retired or, or current uh, lawyers and judges will uh, meet with people. You can imagine how much of a struggle it is for people as mm, you get yeah. into legal situations. And like like all of us, if you if you get some sort of trouble like that, where do you go? You need an advocate. You need a lawyer to say, this is either not a problem or yes, this is this serious right, and we got to right, handle this. Right. And so they, they do that work and they work with them in jobs as well. Up in Milwaukee, All People's Church, um, uh, during COVID, again, uh, they had they had some little gardens on, on a property they owned, and they said, we need to do more. And so they really built that whole um, extra plot that they had into a huge garden. Uh, it is now serving people constantly. And they also started partnering with people out in Rubicon, out in the farmlands of Rubicon and uh, in that area. And they, they call themselves plot partners. Mm. And so that that's something else we try to encourage. How do we take the gifts and skills that we have in my neighborhood and who I am and how can I partner that with uh, with the ministries of Outreach for Hope in their needs. So they they now share uh, produce back and forth and uh, the farmers out in Rubicon have gone in and taught them how to how to farm, how to grow crops that might be more culturally uh, uh, approving in, in their neighborhoods, you know, and so that's been something really good as well. And it's nice that... Um I would imagine, uh, making an assumption, that they put uh, some of the people that uh, receive the food, they can put them to work. You know, this is how you care for a garden. This Mm -hmm. is what you do uh, in order to feed your family kind of a thing. So they're learning skills along the way as well. So many have actually started doing little gardens in their own own backyard. Oh, very good. Which is great. You know, um, one of our ministries, St. Paul's, has a clothing a pantry that they give out bedding and and hats. Uh, I I was there and uh, I was getting near near winter November early November last year, and one of the ladies coming through. Um, I you know in my mind I'm thinking well they're getting a few things that's nice, and so I said you know what does this mean to you that you're getting some items, and she said this is this is everything to me. I don't I don't have money for food. Which means, and that's that's the first priority, right? Right. right. Uh, I don't. That means I don't have money to go even to Goodwill or someplace where I can buy it at a discount. So having a place where I can get bedding, where I can get clothing, is you know for free, is it means everything. And it and it was I was really impressed with what she said and and the importance of the ministries that do that. You know, we have um, you know uh, other ministries that really focus on children. And, uh, for example, Hapatha in, uh, in Milwaukee, uh, they have a safe baby sanctuary. Mm. And that's been uh, crucial for them. Um, and uh, how to care for children, how to, how to teach parents about you know, keeping your baby safe, uh, sleeping, uh, how do you keep your baby safe at night and how they sleep, you know, how do you swaddle them so that they're taken care of and not uh, getting into SIDS death. You know, that's that's a big thing. Um, and sometimes, you know, I think families, if they're not exposed to it, they kind of take that for granted mm-hmm. that, you yeah. know, it's just something that you learn along the way. But Somebody teaches you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You need to, it needs to be modeled for you and, mm-hmm. and you need to, um, you know, see how it's done so then you can, you can do it well yourself, right? Yeah. And Hepatha has been, um, this has been a big thing in Milwaukee. They've gotten very involved in the coal program, C-O-L-E, which is the Coalition on Lead Emergency. Uh, it's been a, a crucial piece that they've been really involved with, which is um, 80,000 homes, 80,000 homes in Milwaukee. This is amazing to me. 
um, have some sort of lead pipe issue that the water is unsafe to drink. You know, oh, that's, wow. that's, that's okay. just an incredible thing to me. And so they've really become leaders in the Milwaukee area. They've been working with the city government. They've actually had the, the national government uh, noticing this. Kamala Harris, the vice president, came and met with them to talk about what ways that people can make a difference. Um, their leaders have become leaders in the city. And uh, so it's just one of those other examples of how they've really taken seriously the needs of their neighborhoods and um, walked with them through, like Jesus said, you know, feeding and welcoming and clothing. And um, you know, one of our ministries visits people in prison and does a worship service with them in prison. And then when they get out of prison, walks with them as well. So mm. really taking that Matthew 25 seriously, which is so crucial to all of us. Yeah. But even at the heart of all of it, it really is about church. It's really about ministry. It's about letting that love of Jesus shine in how you care for people, how you walk with them, how they um, can know that God loves them as well. Mm. And so that's, that's it's, it's just a really wonderful thing that I get to be a part of. And um, so that was a lot of the reason why I said yes. I uh, yeah, it's I an easy yes, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. It takes you all a couple seconds to say, yes, I'd like to get involved in that. Well, obviously you can't do all these things that you do, and you right. do a lot. I mean, there's a lot of ministries that you're partnering with. You can't do that without having funds to support it. So, right. so fundraising is at the core of your purpose. Mm-hmm. Share what fundraising practices or methods you use to to raise your grants. Yeah, so a lot of it is just making people aware aware of Outreach for Hope. So, going to outreachforhope.org, you know. And um, so we, you know, constantly are talking about that, whether that's through email or newsletters or all the normal things, social media posts. You can like us on Facebook if you want. Mm -hmm. Um, But also we try to do uh, regular videos of our ministry. So we try to do two to three minute videos spotlighting different things going on so people can see for themselves Mm. what these ministries do. So you can go up to our, our website and see all sorts. We've got I don't know, uh, we've got over 30 now, I think, um, that really show that work. Um, The other thing we've done the last couple of years is our Lenten devotions. So during Lent, as people are preparing for Easter and turning their hearts and minds to God at that time, thinking about a devotion that focuses on uh, these ministries as well. So we use the leaders to talk about, the leaders of our ministry partners do the actual devotions and we do them as videos so Mm. that you can actually see for yourself. I like the idea of videos because we can tell you all about this, Mm -hmm. which, you know, that's part of it. But when you can actually see the impact and, and, and see what people are doing, I think that's, that's different. Well, we never have time to get to everything. Um, but to summarize our interview today, uh, pastor Chris, what, what do you want people to take away? Yeah. You know, um, I think I, Father Greg Boyle has a book called Tattoos on the Heart, and it's, I know a couple of your other guests have quoted it as well because it's so good. But one uh, verse, really, one quote really stuck out to me. He says, here is what we seek, a compassion that can stand in awe at what the poor have to carry rather than standing in judgment at how they carry it. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we have, how do we become people of compassion just like Jesus was? You know, where we see others and that need that they have. And how do we walk with them, showing the love, the grace, the forgiveness, the care, um, so that we're not passing by like the priest and the Levite in the Good right. Samaritan story, but rather mm-hmm. stopping like the Good Samaritan and walking with and caring. 
And that's what these um, our ministry partners do, and that's what we encourage people to make donations towards. So you can always make a donation to Outreach for Hope, and, and we steward that money, and 100% of that money goes to our ministry partners in the grants that we give every year. So, okay. so it's, a, it's a great way to serve. Well, why don't you share uh, the website, mm-hmm. uh, email address, whatever it is that yeah. uh, it's easiest for people to get to to Outreach for Hope. Yeah, and it's just really simple, outreachforhope.org. That well, that is simple. It is. <laughs> that and, makes sense. We've got a nice big give button on there. So there you it, go. <laughs> it makes there it you easy go. for you. But, and that's where you go to check out the videos as well? Yep. Okay. Yep. Ministry partner videos. Yep. Spotlight videos. All right. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank all my guests today, Julia and 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 Matthew, uh, who are representing the Larsh community and trying to get one here in Milwaukee, and Pastor Chris Mankey from Outreach for Hope. Thank you all for sharing the various ways that you make an impact for others in our community. Well, thanks for having me. You're welcome. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, or if you'd like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262 662- 691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 to learn more about the ways people are serving, inspiring, and impacting others in our community, which contributes to positive change being made in a number of different ways. You can tune into News Talk 1130 on your radio. You can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. I encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows. Or now you can listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So if you have a website, if you have an internet connection, rather, you can get get to our website or uh, check us out on demand. If you agree with Ralph Waldo Emerson's definition of success, which in part is knowing that even one life breathed easier because you have lived, then make it your personal mission to be a part of this infectious phenomenon called contagious generosity. Make philanthropy a part of your family legacy. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Thanks for listening today and have a great day.